building houses. I'm talking about, it's funny, after Pastor Gary asked me to, uh, to preach there last Thursday night, I got in the truck to drive home, and then the, the, that song on Christ the Solid Rock I Stand just came up in my spirit. And I'm, this old hymn written back in the early 1800s, and, <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to preach on that on Thursday night. So we're talking about standing your ground <clears throat> and making sure you got a good foundation tonight. So, so as most of you know, Ash and I, we sold our house uh, earlier this year, and um, just everything worked out well, and it's one of the good things that came out of COVID, I guess, was the inflated uh, housing prices. So if you bought it at the right time, it was, it was a good time to sell. So, so we did. And uh, actually, it was funny. I got a call from a real estate agent today that, um, that came to see us about a year ago, came to our house and said, hey, you know, I stopped by your house and your wife gave me some awesome cookies. You remember me? <laughs> I said, yeah, I remember you. He's like, yeah, I just sold a house uh, down, down the street from you guys for like $420,000 and want to know if maybe you want to sell yours. <laughs> I said, well, already done. He said, oh, okay, well, there you go. Congratulations. So, so anyway, we sold our place and uh, we, we, we bought a lot just down the street from Jordan, actually. <laughs> Fell in love with uh, Enfield and uh, decided we wanted to join the lovely community up there. So, so we did and uh, we got a lot. Bought some land. And uh, what's the first thing you got to do when you buy a piece of land? It's full, of, it's full of trees, full of shrubbery. So, like any good man does, you go to the store and you buy a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> I finally became a man this year and bought a chainsaw. <laughs> And you know what? It's, there's, there's a lot of similarities to building and developing in, 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 in Christian life as well. And you know, if you're not saved and you come to Christ, you're a brand new Christian, you know, what's the first thing you got to do? What's the first thing God's got to do with you? He's got to clear your lot. <laughs> you got a lot of garbage in there, right? So just because you gave your, Christ, you know, you gave your heart to the Lord doesn't mean you're, you know, perfect just like that. There's a change. You, can, you feel like a different person, but you still got stuff you got to clear out. So, <clears throat> he breaks every chain. <laughs> Hopefully not while you're at full RPM, because that could be bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, you got to clear the old garbage out. So, so you go in, and, and uh, you either... Do the sweat and labor like Jordan did and clear it yourself, or you call a guy with an excavator and you get it done in two days. <laughs> so I bought the chain, so I used it for a day or two, and then I called somebody else. <laughs> I got to thinking, hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we got it all cleared out. And uh, after you get it all cleared out, you got to find out, well, I'm going to put a house here somewhere, so you've got to find out where you're going to set it. So the next thing you've got to do, after it's all mulched up and cleared out, you've got to get rid of all the, all the topsoil. All that stuff's got to go. All that loose, shifting soil has got to go. You've got to dig down until you get something undisturbed. So where we're at, we've got, we got clay. So clay is awesome to build on. It's super, super strong. It doesn't, doesn't settle at all. And once you just scratch off the surface, get down to the clay, you can put your footing right on that, and away you go. But any good engineer knows that once you scratch down, well, you have to know how to build up from there. So you need to know, what are you going to do for a footing? How big does it have to be? What kind of loads is it going to support? Some people's lives might have to support more loads than others. 
they might need a different foundation <laughs> than somebody else. Somebody may have a two-story life, someone else might have a 10-story life. You don't know, right? So God's got to start at different places. You know, it's not one shoe fits all here, you know? We've got, we got different sizes going on. So as a new Christian, God's going to handle every single person differently. We're all individuals. Every single person's walking in a different place. They receive things differently. They understand things differently. They need different things in their life based on their experiences and their upbringing. And so that's why it's so important to just, to, just to flow with them and just let God do, especially as a new Christian, what he needs to do in your life. Because he, he knows what you need, even when you don't know what you need. You know? So, so don't be afraid of when he comes in and tries to change a few things. <clears throat> you know, let him do it. Let him do it. As, as, as a more mature Christian, you can usually tell when it's God and when it's just flesh. But as, as, as a new Christian, you just got to jump in with both feet and trust him. <laughs> and just, say, just stay in the word. That's the, that's the main thing. Just stay in this first of all. That's your, I mean, the more of that you can get, the better. It doesn't matter what level of Christian walk you're at. That's, that's where it all starts. But, but let him do what he needs to do. And he'll, he'll start to work on that foundation that you need to carry you for the rest of your life. So I know we've got a lot of mature Christians in the house tonight, so I'm not quite sure why he has to be talking about foundations, but hey, you know, here we go. Tune in. <laughs> you're here now, so you're a captive audience. Somebody lock the door. <laughs> and so once you determine, well, God, God, see, God knows the whole picture. So he, he sees our life from back here. Like he, he knows the whole picture. He knows what we need to prepare us for what's coming next because he has a plan for our lives. So again, he knows what needs to go into us initially to start to build, that, build those relationships and build those skills and abilities. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if anyone knows about rebar in here, but you can get different sizes of rebar. So if you've got a footing, some footings have no rebar, some footings have 10M, 15M, you know, different diameters of rebar to give it more and more strength. So again, you know, depending on, on, on your life and what it needs to support, God's going to need to work with you in different ways. So clear out the garbage. <clears throat> Let God expose the good, plant some good things in your soil. Because once you, once you till your soil, well, you need to put something else there, right? So you get all the garbage out. God gets to put something good in. And <clears throat> so once you get up off the foundation, you get into, you get into building a, either a slab or a floor system. And, uh, and, then, and then you go up from there. So God just continues to build you as, as, as you need to be built. So I want to talk about building on the solid rock, and that for us is Christ. So Christ is, is our solid rock that we stand on. He's our go-to. He's our adversary. He's our not adversary. He's our, he's our advocate was the word I was looking for there. <laughs> you better hope he's not your adversary. I mean, I guess if you do some wrong things, you might turn into one. But <laughs> if, you're pri- if, you, if, if you're prideful, he can be. But, but anyway, we won't go there right now. But so... God has, has sent us, once you give your life to Christ, you become an ambassador for him. Okay, so you, you, you've changed places. You're no longer of this world. You've got a new citizenship now. So when, when you take on a new citizenship, you get a bunch of new benefits to go along with it, right? And so he's backing you up now. So he's got you. If you stay with him, you're not going to fail. 
He's the foundation. Stay with him. You're not going to fail. No matter what's going around you, like the song says, even though all around is sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock I stand. And that's pretty much life. Life is you trying to balance on a rock while there's sinking sand everywhere around you. Because <laughs> there's so many things that try to pull you this way and pull you that way and, and pull you down um, that uh, you've really got to make sure that you're standing on the rock. You're standing on the Christ. And it's, it's the only way to do it successfully. And if, if anything, you know, what we learned the last couple of years through all this ridiculousness is that you need a rock to stand on. <laughs> Because you talk about rapid change. I mean, we ain't ever seen rapid change like this in our lifetimes, that's for sure. Like, from day to day, it changes every day. You need something that doesn't change day to day to stand on, to keep your heart and mind and body through, through all that, right? And, you know, sickness is a chain, and it's, it's a big chain. I mean, look what it's done globally just in the last couple of years. And, you know, God's there to break those chains. He's going to break those chains. But, you know, we need, we need that rock to stand on. When all these sands are shifting, we need something solid to stand on. So, so make sure you, you stand on that rock and, and, and don't, don't go off of it. I mean, it's not even tempting. Once you see what's around you and you see what's out there, you know, you cling to this, really. Because <clears throat> it's not even tempting to try to step off of it because, you know, <laughs> you're going to sink, right? Anyway, um, and when he sends you out... <clears throat> He's interceding for us all the time. So he's like, you know what? Welcome to the family. Here's your foundation. Here's what we're going to work on. Here's your mission. Here's your backing. Go do it. And then he ever lives to make intercession for us the whole time we're out doing it. So all the officers that come, guess what? you got the ultimate prayer warrior backing you up. 24-7. 365 days a year, never quits, never sleeps, never grows tired, never gets weary, ever, and he's the son of God, and he's on your team. Like, what more could you ask for, really? Other than a really good wife, but, I mean, <laughs> love you, dear. And uh, maybe a couple good kids too, you know. <laughs> so anyway, in order to in order to stay on that rock, there's a couple of things you got to do, or 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 you're going to get knocked off. And one of those things is Galatians 2:20. We all know what it is. And every morning when you get up, you have a choice, don't you? Every morning, <laughs> you got a choice. <clears throat> you can die to your flesh. You can put your flesh under, or 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 you can yield to it. And so. We all know what the right answer is, but why don't we just turn there right quick and get, get our eyes on Galatians 2.20. So I want to look at 2.21 too. Opening scripture for the night. Ladies and gentlemen, please turn to Galatians 2.20, verses 20 to 21. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It says, I am crucified with Christ. It sounds like a bad statement initially, especially if you don't know what they're talking about here, doesn't it? Crucified. I don't know I want to be crucified. Jeez, that sounds like a pretty rotten deal there. <clears throat> but for those of you who don't know, which is, I don't think anybody in the room, but, you know, that's your flesh. Every single day, your flesh needs to be crucified. Put it on the cross, leave it there. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, so not your desires, not your will, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The only way to do it. 
There's no other way to live it. Not well, anyway. You got to do it by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The ultimate form of love, to give, give yourself for somebody else. And that's the way we need to live our daily lives. It's not concerned about ourselves and our own needs, but we need to constantly be looking around us and saying, hey, what does my wife need today? What do my kids need today? What do my friends need today? What does my family, brothers and sisters in Christ need today? Be praying for them. Holy Spirit, anybody that I need to be praying for today? You know, I know there's needs out there. If he's not giving you anything specific right off the bat, just pray in the Holy Ghost for a while. You know? And you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you, you, you could be praying for somebody on the other side of the world and not even know it and have a miracle happen in their life. And they may never know it, and you may never know it until you get to heaven. But when you get to heaven, you're going to know it. And you can high-five each other and say, man, I, I, I didn't know you then, but I'm glad I know you now. And I thank you for being obedient to God when you were on the earth, you know? There's going to be so many cool reunions like that because if the body of Christ is operating the way it's supposed to be. There's no borders. There's no borders. You know? We, we can, God can physically transport us. That's been done. There's multiple cases of that in the Bible. But, he, but he, can, he can take the power of prayer and just transport it right around the globe in an instant, in an absolute instant. You could be saving somebody's life and not even know it. You could be saving somebody's daughter and not even know it. You know, you, you just don't know, but you need to take the time in the morning or whenever it is in the day that you set aside for Christ and just pray and just Turn everything else off and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm here for one purpose and for one purpose only, and that is to serve you and to serve the body right here and right now. And man, if we all did that more often, I think you'd see some, you'd see some pretty amazing things happening. Can <laughs> you imagine if we just stopped thinking about ourselves as much as we do? And we're all guilty of it. I know I am too. You know, we've all been there. You know, you know, me, me and I take center stage more, more than they should. And uh, it's a constant daily thing, Galatians 2.20, to, to put that to death, to, to, to put yourself to death and to put others first. And so I encourage you today to, to, to make a diligent effort to, uh, to increase the amount of time that you spend in that mindset and, 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 uh, and, and doing that. <clears throat> and so Galatians 2.21, it says, do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. You can't do it on your own. It's just saying, don't, your, your works are filthy rags. Don't stand on them. It has a lot to do with humility. You know, you know what? It doesn't matter how good I am or what I can do. I, I don't care. It's not about me. It's about what Christ did for me. It's about what, how he lived his life and how he died on the cross and shed his blood for me and just receiving that gift by faith. <laughs> by faith, I mean, like... It's free. Like he gave his life, washed all of our sins away so that we could live condemnation free. We could spend eternity with him and we mess up. We don't have to beat ourselves up. We just have to repent and turn. Repent and turn. Stay humble. Repent and turn. You're good to go. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to flip over to Luke 17. Skip on down to 3. It says, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespasses against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So if somebody does you wrong, rebuke him on the spot. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I'll forgive you if you repent. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> And if he trespasses again, she's seven times in a day, one day. And again, and he turns to you saying, I repent, forgive him. So moral of the story, just walk in forgiveness. That's what I was trying to tell you. You know, don't hold grudges. Walk in forgiveness. Uh, it's good for you. It's good for them. It's good for everybody. It's a good, it's a good practice. <clears throat> in verse six, it says, uh, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this, Sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it shall be, and it shall obey you. <clears throat> but which of you, having a servant plowing a field, actually, actually, might read this in the NIV. Bear with me for a moment. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, "Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you." Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. So what's the main core of those few verses? What's it getting at? Humility. Humility. It's saying, you know, and, and this is something that's not popular these days. You know, you know, you think after a long day, you know, you come in, you know, you should be patted on the back and well done, sit down, let me, let me get you your meal today, you know. No, no, it's, it's saying your work's not done yet and you're going to have to be okay with that. You know, I might have been inside all day, but guess what? You're going to serve me lunch first. And when I'm done eating, you can sit down and have something. That's their job. That's what that person's called to do. And it's their, service, it's, it's, it's their responsibility and their duty to do just that. And they shouldn't be looking for praise for it. That's what it's saying. You know, don't, <clears throat> don't look for praise. If you ever find yourself feeling unappreciated, just give your head a shake. <laughs> just, just save yourself the, the, the aggravation. Give your, health, you, 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 your head a shake <clears throat> and say, you know what? My reasonable service. My reasonable service. Look what he's done for you. What are you getting all upset because someone's not patting you on the back and saying, good job, well done, you know? It's nice, don't get me wrong. It's nice, it's good to do that to people from time to time. But if you find yourself looking for it, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place, right? Don't look for it. So unforgiveness and pride are two major things that can knock you off your rock. And not just yours, but, but walking in unforgiveness and pride can knock others off their rock. Can knock others off the, the, the rock that is Jesus Christ. Because you're not setting a godly example anymore. And so maybe, maybe, maybe you're a mature Christian. Maybe you've been at this for decades and, you know, you let your guard down. And you're walking in unforgiveness and pride. And somebody who's a new Christian sees you with your head up in the air and your nose stuck up in the air. says, I don't know, that kind of looks a lot like the world to me. It doesn't look like a whole lot different from what I'm used to seeing. Come on, <clears throat> you're being watched. We're setting examples. We are what? Ambassadors. Everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. It's an honor. 
It's also a responsibility. It's a privilege that can be taken away. It's a privilege. Treat it as such. Honor the office. Honor the callings in people's lives. Humble yourself. Submit yourself. And life will be much better for you. What, what, what does the Bible say about someone who's humiliated? Humiliated, not humiliated, but humbled. <laughs> what does the Bible say about people who get humiliated? <laughs> Woe is you. <laughs> Woe to the humiliated. <laughs> no, it says, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, who's going to exalt you? Are you going to have to work really hard and do it yourself? No. He's going to exalt you in due season. How many people in here want God exalting them instead of themselves? That sounds like a much better deal because I'm pretty sure he's going to do a better job of it than I would. I'm pretty sure he's going to do a better job of it than even you would, as much as you might want to try to promote somebody else. God's, going to, God's got it. God's got it. So just trust him, no matter what's going on around you, that he's got your back. And if you're doing what he's called you to do, He's, he's already made the way for you. The provision's already there. The breakthrough's already there. You don't have to worry about it. Doesn't matter how bad it might look in the moment. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, some of the stories you've heard over the years from different pastors, different people, and the things that they faced in their life. And you're like, okay, maybe mine's not so bad after all. <laughs> you know, you read some of these stories. I mean, the, the worst one's got to be Paul. I mean, they, I mean, I mean you, can't, you can't get much worse. I mean, Christ said he's going to have to suffer for my namesake, and he wasn't lying when he said that. I mean, the stuff that man went through and still stuck with the word and never quit, and never quit God, if he, could, if he can do that, you know, as one of the first Christians... I mean, how much more now that we have all his teachings and all of his friends' teachings and everything and all the rest of the teachings that he, he didn't have? I mean, he was walking it out. I mean, how much more should we be able to stand our ground against much less adversity? You know? Again, if you ever find yourself feeling beat up and down, just give your head a shake. <laughs> just think of somebody else and find something to be grateful for because I guarantee you, you got something to be grateful for. If you live in Nova Scotia, you got something to be grateful for. As bad as it might have seen in the last couple years, <laughs> if you go somewhere else in the world, it's, you still got a lot to be grateful for. A lot. Yeah, I watched a, a, a short documentary on, a, on a, one of the largest English-speaking cities in the world. It's, a, it's in Nigeria. And uh, they have a slum that's built out. It's called the, um, the um, Venice of Nigeria. And the slums is built on the water, on stilts. There's 200,000 people that live in shacks built on stilts downstream from the city of 25 million people's sewer. And that river's also their sewer. And... 200,000 people wake up to that reality in that city every single day. The, the, the school they have in the slums there, they built um, a play field about from here to the wall and about that wide and up on stilts, and they filled it with sawdust and then put dirt on top of the sawdust to give the kids a little play field. And that's their one spot they have in this huge area to play. They play soccer there and little games and things like that. And, um, and yeah, this, this guy who goes all around the world doing documentaries on, on different places, he got a tour through the whole place on boat because it's all in water. 
and um, and saw the whole thing, and it was it was the guy's uh, the chief's son who runs the whole place was the guy showing him around, and just story after story, it's amazing that people and and they're smiling, they're smiling, and you just think you know just again give your head a shake, I mean give your head a shake, so much to be grateful for, so many people are living on dollars a month, and you know, yeah. So grateful. We have, we have so much to be thankful for. I mean, you think of the money that was spent in the last couple of years on this pandemic and what that money could have done if it was put to use somewhere else. I mean, I, I pretty much guarantee this has been the most expensive thing the world's ever seen. <clears throat> and if all the money that was put in, all the time and all the money was put to better use, you imagine the difference it could have made globally. Guess what? The money's still there. It's still there. We still get our turn. Glory to God. Glory to God, eh? Amen. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. So we're going to go over to John 14, 12 to 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. Because I go to my Father, ever lives to make intercession, remember? And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Again, standing on the rock. If you believe that God is who he says he is, he'll do what he said he'll do. Oh, he's telling you, anything you ask in my name, I'm going to do it. To bring you glory? No. That my father, that my father may be glorified. Again, that's what we're here to do. Glorify the Father in word and in deed. Luke twenty-two forty-four. Luke twenty-two forty-two, not forty-four. <clears throat> so this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's being faced with the ultimate calling that God's put in his life. Everything from his birth till now is coming to a head. This is it. This is the pinnacle of his ministry. The end of his earthly ministry, the start of the church, soon to be the start of the church. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. So this is Jesus saying, Father, if you're willing to not have me die in this way, then let's just scratch this plan. Let's do something different here. Thankfully, the Father was not willing. And thankfully, Jesus was. So this next statement is where we all need to get to whenever we get to where Jesus got right here. Because Jesus himself got there. And I think we've all probably been there at least once in our lives where you feel like you just can't take another step. And when you get to that point, I want you to remember Luke twenty-two forty-two, And I want you to go to Luke twenty-two forty-two, and I want you to read it. And then I want you to do what Jesus did. Nevertheless, 
not my will, but yours. Total humility, total selflessness, even to the death of the cross. You couldn't ask more of anybody. He knew the humiliation he was going to face. He knew all of it. He knew it was coming. That's why he sweat blood. That's how intense it was. But he said, you know what? I'm not getting off my rock. I'm not getting off my rock. I'm standing on my rock. And that was the father. The father was his rock. So much so, so close to his father he was, that on the cross, he yelled out, Father, Dad, why have you forsaken me? It's the first time in his life he's ever felt that separation from the father. And you could hear the agony in his voice in that moment when he took your sin and my sin on him in that moment. You could hear it in his voice. It's hard, I mean, it's hard to even put it into words what that must have felt like. Having your rock, having the rock pulled out from under his feet like that, what he stood on, leaving him, while all that sin came on, he had to turn around. Even though Jesus knew the end game, he knew in that moment, even in that moment, he knew it was going to happen. He knew when this was all going to play out. But just that temporary, that temporary separation was enough to make him yell out like that. When you have somebody that you count on in life and that person were to leave all of a sudden for whatever reason, whether it was death or something else, you know, if you, this was a person that you were close to and you relied on and you, you were, you know, that you just poured your life into and all of a sudden they're gone. I think that's probably the closest thing that we could ever experience on earth to, to what Jesus might've felt in that moment is having that person who meant everything to you just gone. And it wouldn't be a good feeling. I, just couldn't, I couldn't imagine, but he did it for you. And, the, and even says that God, for the joy that was set before him, I mean, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, did it, but, but God, um, <clears throat> even that moment, it pleased him so much to do it, that it pleased, it, said it pleased God to bruise him in that moment, just to get to you. I mean, look at the agony that Jesus was going through, and he says, you know, God said it pleased him to see that plan and come to fruition. Knowing that it was just to get to you. Like, if you don't feel love, give your head a shake. Think of the message tonight, give your head a shake. <laughs> you get no excuse to not feel loved, knowing that a father that's willing to do that loves you with all his heart. Come on. Powerful. Powerful stuff. I just, I want to encourage you tonight because there's been so much negativity in the world. I just want to try to encourage you to stay the course, to stay strong, to stay on the rock, to not give up. This isn't our end. This isn't where we finish. Okay? Keep pushing, keep standing, and we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He promised it. He promised it. He's coming back for a land without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a glorious church, a glorious church. Look at Israel when they left Egypt. That's the church he's coming, I mean, more or less. <laughs> they still had their flaws, but not even their clothes wore out. They were wealthy. They were taken care of. They took all the wealth of Egypt with them when they left. 
and there was no sickness, no one got tired, and no one's clothes wore out. Glory. That's, the, that's what the glory of God can do. The glory of God can do. Come on. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. And look at uh, another temptation that Jesus had to face here. <clears throat> so Jesus was led out in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was a pretty hungry guy, as most of us would be at that point. So Satan tempts him with three different things. And <clears throat> you can almost see the devil getting a little angrier each time. He fails. And so he starts off with something light. You see, Satan is subtle. He's a defeated foe, but he's not an idiot. He's been around for a long time, and he's studying human behavior for a very long time. He's a master of his craft, so to speak. And <clears throat> so he's never obvious. You know, Satan doesn't come in and, you know, try to throw something at you that he knows is not going to work. You know, some kind of an obvious thing that you, that's not even a temptation to you. No, he's subtle. He creeps in slowly like a thief in the night. And so he starts off with something simple, something small. Jesus is hungry. Let's see if we can get him to turn some rocks into bread. See if that works. Well, it doesn't, as you all know. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As we've been saying tonight, you know, stand on that rock. You need to stand in every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, food's, food's one thing, but you need, you, you need the word. <clears throat> you need the word. When all else fails, you got the word. You can always come back to the word. It's never changing, right? Never changing. You can count on it. Next thing, takes him up on top of a temple, says, hey, you throw yourself off, the angels will catch you. And Jesus says, nah, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Saying, so like, all right, strike one, strike two. Let's, uh, let's wind up and give him everything I got here. Here we go. Here's the full package deal. See if we can knock him, knock him down this time around. Says, all right, see this whole world? It's mine. All the wealth, all the power. I'll give it to you. It's one little thing. One little thing. Fall down and worship me. So, I mean, that's a lot on the table. I mean, the chips are down. I mean, he's all in. This is all he's got. He, he, he's only got the world. That's everything. That, that's his kingdom. He said, Jesus, I'll give you my kingdom. All the kings on the earth are mine. I'll give them to you. It's a lot on offer. He must have been a pretty, he must have known what was coming. I mean, he wouldn't just offer that to anybody. He must have been, you know, Jesus, Jesus had his goat at this point in his life. He's like, all right, I'm going to take care of this guy. <clears throat> I know what gets men, money and power. Money and power, come on, guys, come on. You all know you like it. You all know you like it. <laughs> well, Jesus must have liked it a little bit because, you know, it wouldn't have been temptation if he didn't. You know, it wouldn't have been a temptation. Money and power. But now he said, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord thy God. And him only, him only shall you serve. Again, Jesus knew the end game. You know, he, you can't knock somebody down who, who knows his purpose, who knows what he's called to do. You can't knock them down. You can't distract them. They're focused. 
They're focused. And, you know, again, like little things come in your life to try to distract you because you can't make more time. Once you spend it, you can't get it back. And so it's a pretty valuable resource, right? So that's one of the main things that Satan will try to come at you with is little time stealers here and there, little things that will try to distract you from your calling and pull you here a little bit, pull you there a little bit. Because he knows, you know, once those hours are gone, those opportunities are gone, sometimes you can't get those opportunities two times in a row. You know, sometimes by the grace of God, you can bring them around again. But sometimes, you know, opportunities that are missed are missed. Sorry, you got to lick your wounds and pick yourself back up again and, and carry on with life. So <clears throat> let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let's go to Acts 27. I'm going to pick it up in verse 20. So, Paul's in the storm after warning them not to leave. They, yeah, they loose from Crete against his instruction. And uh, so here they are. They're in the middle of the ocean, Mediterranean. Big storm kicks up. And um, anyway, after several days of it not relenting, the crew had given up hope. So everyone on the ship is hopeless. They've all committed their life to the sea. They figure this is it. We're done for. It says, verse 20, And when neither the sun nor stars shone in many days appeared, no small tempest lay upon us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. So a hopeless people. I think we can attest to that. Especially in the last couple of years, you know, there's been some hopeless people, there's been some hopeless situations, and a lot of people have lost their hope. And so Paul finds himself, or we find ourselves today, as, as, as a body around a lot of sometimes hope, hopeless people. And it says, but after a long absence, <laughs> Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye would have hearkened, uh, ye should have hearkened unto me, and have not loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you, be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. <clears throat> and so Paul's trying to cheer him up, saying, yes, and guys, you know what? Don't worry about it. And here's why you can trust me. Here's why you should give anything that I say any credence at all, because... For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with you. <clears throat> Stay on the ship. Exactly. So, for the people that would have taken him at his word, you imagine the relief. If any of those men had any kind of belief in God or some kind of a, you know, maybe just a higher power to them at that time, they see this man who's standing before them confidently, and picture this for a moment, the ship is practically destroyed, the cargo's gone, the sails are broken, and it's pouring down rain, the winds are blowing, they're going all over the place, and there's Paul, probably screaming at the top of his lungs, so they can hear him over the wind and the rain, and saying, be of good cheer, 
Be of good cheer. Salt spray in the face. Salt spray in the face. Be of good cheer. <clears throat> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't look out there. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my smiley face. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Side note. I capsized a boat a couple summers ago. <laughs> and I was taking a ship out in some high seas that it was overloaded. And I didn't have any cargo to throw over, so I threw the people over. <laughs> and about 30 seconds before I capsized the boat, I had nine people in the boat, I, uh, and they were big fans of uh, Disney cruises. So they'd been on multiple Disney cruises, and this was their very first experience on a little boat. So, out around Graves Island and Chester, we went, and as we rounded the bend, uh, it was about a 25-kilometer-hour wind that day, and there was a good swell. And being my boat as loaded as it was, um, instead of going over the waves, the waves went over the boat instead. And, but about 30 seconds before that happened, we're cruising along, and I'm wide open, and usually the boat will do like 40 kilometers an hour when it's empty, but I was doing maybe like eight kilometers an hour wide open in this thing. And uh, we're, getting, we're starting to get the bigger waves hit the boat, and the salt spray is just hitting us, right? And I yell out, you don't get this experience on a Disney cruise. <laughs> 30 seconds later, they were swimming. LAUGHTER he was an RCP officer, too, but fortunately, he didn't try to come after me after that. It was, it was all good. And his wife was, like, two months pregnant at the time. So. <laughs> fun times. Fun times. Fun times, right? So anyway, you can picture these people in, the, in, in their storm after many days of this. And, and uh, this guy's standing up and saying, you don't get this experience. And I didn't. No, no. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I exhort you to be a good cheer. And Angel stood by me and said, you're all going to be all right. And um, so he says, again, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Obviously, they didn't get the hint the first time, so maybe he was trying to get the rest of them on board. For I believe God, and it shall be even as it was told me. Look at the faith right there. He's, he's not concerned. It shall be even as he told me. So... <clears throat> And then it goes on and says, how be it, you know, certain numbers must be cast upon the island. And uh, anyway, that's a whole other story. That's an awesome story of what happened when they landed on the island. You know, God took a, a disastrous situation and a little bit of a, of a side route for Paul there. But hey, how many people, even alive today, have been a result of the revival that happened on that island way back when? How many great, 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 great grandkids are serving the Lord today because Paul crashed into an island with a bunch of sailors and he shook a snake off on a fire and they all went, oh, this guy must be God. And he went and healed a bunch of them and, you know, the whole island got saved that, that day, right? And that's, see, God can do that in your life, you know? Even, even temporary diversions like that when people don't listen to you. And, and you're along for the ride, like he was in this case, and you end up crashed up somewhere so you don't want to be, you can still take that situation and glorify God with it. So I encourage you, no matter the situation, to look for that opportunity to glorify God in the midst of seemingly impossible situations. Even when a snake's bit you after you've been shipwrecked on an island and suffered salt spray for three days or four days or whatever it was, or weeks, I guess it said, actually. And... 
you know, Paul wasn't concerned in the least. He's like, all right, God, what am I going to do here? I'm going to shake this party up a little bit, eh? Saves the whole island, right? Saves the whole island. So that's it for me tonight. Love you guys. Encourage you. <clears throat> Go home and shake your island. <laughs> we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.